again, we just would like to thank our sponsors very quickly. You know how much we love them. Jeffree Star Cosmetics, VH1, and WOW Presents Plus. So let's begin the panel. Uh, give a warm welcome to your moderator, Brad Gorski. Goreski? Goreski. Goreski. How's it going, everyone? Good morning. Right, it's still morning. 11 a.m. It's hard to know with all these looks in the audience. It's um, pretty amazing. Um, so we have a great panel uh, set up for you. I'm very excited. Um, I think we should just go down maybe and introduce ourselves. I can do the introductions for you, but I think it's better if we all just kind of introduce ourselves and say a few words. Yeah, please. Hi, I'm Trevor Rains. Um, I was co-founder and designer of Heatherette for 10 years. And since then, I've been doing some fashion photography and some design on my own line. And I am here doing some merch for a few of the queens from this season. So. Welcome. I'm Ariane Phillips. I'm a stylist and a costume designer. And two-time Oscar nominee. We don't want to forget that. <laughs> Legendary stylist. Um, I'm Nadia Abelhassan. I'm a. I started off fashion blogging, and then I did a couple of capsule collections with some other brands, and then I just last year launched my own clothing line that's size inclusive. Yay! Hi, I'm Bethany Yellowtail. I'm the founder of BeYellowtail.com, which is an indigenous-designed um, clothing brand. And I'm also um, the, I don't want to say YouTube star, because I feel weird doing that, but <laughs> <laughs> of um, Alternative, which was actually produced by World of Wonder. So I'm really grateful to be here as um, indigenous representation and also alongside our relatives um, from World of Wonder. Thank you. Hi guys, my name is Yuma Hamasaki and I lost RuPaul's Drag Race, but I also make a lot of costumes for a lot of the girls in New York City. All of them. All of them. All of them. <laughs> uh, I'm Dallas Coulter. I'm also known as the Lady Hyde and I do a lot of costumes for the Drag Race girls. Um, Two confessions. Number one, I had like three Heatherette t-shirts. And number two, <laughs> I had to really search for those online. It was, you know, the beginning of the internet, basically, when I was getting those shirts. But th those were amazing. Um, and also, a uh, little bit of a stalker story. When I was an intern at Vogue, we had a master list of everybody's names and addresses. Ariane Phillips' address was on there. I still remember it. And um, I, I, like, battled for a year whether or not to send you a letter to ask you if I could be your assistant. So you here we go. You should have just sent me gifts. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the be so everything starts off in fashion with inspiration. So I wanted to um, ask all of you, what inspires you to begin your designs? Like where are the where are the places that you draw the most inspiration from? Sorry here. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I grew up on a ranch in Montana, so there's always a little bit of a Western cowboy influence into my designs. Um, when I'm designing for a singer, even if I don't really love the music, I, I, I always play it while I'm designing. Weirdly, that kind of gets me in the mood. I don't know, two that little weird facts about me. <laughs> 
Um, for me, it's totally story-based, so I'm really about narrative and character and telling stories, and I'm not um, like a red carpet stylist. Um, I'm much more about fantasy and illusion. Um, when I make things, I think I, it comes from a um, foundation of what's lacking in the industry, because for so long, um, you know, bigger girls who are plus size didn't have a lot of options. So I, I design things within mind that would fit good on both, you know, smaller in sizes and bigger in. That's like where I draw most of my inspiration from. For me, uh, you know, I come actually also come from Montana. I'm from, you do? Yeah, I'm oh from the God. Crow and Northern Cheyenne Nation, so that's like south of you. What? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yes, and yes, and yes. There's only like four of us from Montana. I know, I never <laughs> meet people from Montana. <laughs> two are here. <laughs> the other two in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I grew up on a reservation in Montana my whole life and moved to Los Angeles at 18 and started working, you know, went to design school, started working in the industry, and I worked for brands that, um, you know, many times had cultural influence, but I didn't see myself. I didn't see the stories reflected from my community. I also understand, like, how important certain designs are for our relatives and understand that like certain stories have not yet to be seen. And so I really wanted to carve out a space where I just saw myself at the very like foundational level. Um, and so that's really where my inspiration like drives from. That's who I am. It's a part of my DNA. So that's what I want to share with people and find a way to like share these stories that come from, you know, a long line of traditional influence and from my home. Um, but also share for all people because that's where you know there's so much we talk about cultural appropriation all those things but really it's about just being seen and telling authentic stories my inspiration just comes from anything with color texture what would um, most people wouldn't wear something dramatic you know such as instance when I first walked in I saw that jacket with a sequin stand up so everybody can see that looked fabulous so when I make something, I like drama, a lot and lots of drama, most um, probably because I'm a drag queen and I also make uh, costumes for theater, so I like to have a lot of big, fierce colors going on, a lot of texture, a lot of shapes, and um, movement going on with the uh, outfits when I design it. No clap, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So my inspiration is always different. I work for so many different people that I kind of just have to channel each one. Like, if I'm working for Sharon Needles, I'm not going to put on Trixie Mattel's album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but very much just like Trevor, if I'm working for like Jinx Monsoon, I'll put on like Broadway and just kind of get into like that person, I guess. I don't know. I don't have like a general inspiration, though. So... Going down the line, who sparked your interest in fashion and who inspires you now? Like, who are some of the icons, dead or alive, that are people, artists, um, that you really look to to inspire you to start the creation of your garments? Alex, do you want to start? Mugler. Yes. <laughs> right there, right at the tip of your tongue. Yeah. No hesitation. Yeah. Um, Jean-Paul Cotier, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. Out of this world, crazy, but amazing. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
Beyonce. <laughs> I actually, um, like, you know, because I grew up on the res and, like, I didn't see Native people in, there's, like, name an A-list Native person. Does anyone know? We don't have one. <laughs> so, like, as a young person, it's really hard to imagine yourself being in those spaces or being successful if you don't actually see yourself. So, for me, I really, for whatever reason, I mean, maybe because she's a goddess, but um, the queen bee, like, that's who really, like, just inspired me. And, like, I imagined myself being her for whatever reason, maybe because my name is Beth and it's a bee. I don't know. But <laughs> that's who really, like, I was, like, imagined myself getting off the res and going and pursuing my dreams was Beyonce. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd have to say the first one, like growing up, was was Lady Gaga, mm. because that was like ten years ago when she was being super extra, and it was my favorite. <laughs> um, after that, um, Rihanna, because she can make anything that was ugly look good, you know. And then um, I really love Ali Saab. He's a Lebanese um, fashion designer, and he's amazing. Same. Um, I'm a Rocky Horror kid, so I grew up being inspired by freaks and um, anybody who uses um, dress and fashion and clothing to express themselves. Um, and so for me, I always was an outsider. I moved around a lot as a kid and I use clothes as a camouflage to either blend in or to stand out, depending on my level of confidence and where I was. So I, I really like, and seriously, like Bob Fosse was a huge inspiration to me. For those of you who may or may not know who he was, he was an amazing choreographer and director and um, movies like Sweet Charity or Cabaret. Um, that kind of glamour and a mix of cinema quality and theatricality. So he came from Broadway. So for me, that's the kind of career I've tried to craft for myself, something that knows no limits, whether it's fashion or theater or film. Um, I was kind of adopted by the club kids in New York and uh, like Richie and Amanda, Suzanne Barsh, and uh, photographer David LaChapelle, Pat Fields, they kind of all are like cut from the same cloth and that's where I kind of grew my inspiration. As far as other designers, I love um, Galliano. Um, I always love flipping through his old stuff for good inspiration. And I heard from one of his interns that he had a Heatherette piece hanging up at his studio Ooh. for inspiration at one point. <laughs> so it goes both ways. <laughs> that's a perfect segue for the next question, which is, you know, fashion isn't just about, like Ariane was saying, uh, I can totally relate to using fashion as a camouflage. And I think that was very well put to say, depending on my confidence, it depended on the scale of like how crazy I was in my public school in Port Perry, Ontario. You know, there were moments where I was like way more confident and way less confident. But how do you feel that um, fashion is an art? Like, where is the art in fashion for you? We can start off with you, Ariana, if you want. Oh, with me? Yeah. Um, well, art is everywhere in fashion. It's about form. It's about color. It's about texture. It's about sculpture. It's 3D sculpture. And I always say that um, a frock is a frock until a brilliant performer puts it on. Um, then it becomes art, and then it becomes 3D. Otherwise, it's just a, a piece of cloth hanging on a hanger. So... It's um, and I, I think that for me, the other ha it's like a great theater piece 
that the show is only better by the audience. So the fashion is only better by who wears it. It becomes artful. I love that. So just to kind of play off of that, we always said that um, Heatherette was for the pop star and everybody. And so it was like we would design stuff that was, you know, you put it on and it makes you feel like you want to go out and feel confident out in the world. So that was kind of like, yeah, it's like the personality brings it to life. I actually have a Heatherette um, hoodie when I was younger, when I was in high school. It was the music notes. I don't remember. It was white music notes all over. I bought that when I was 16, and I had it for years and years and years because I loved it. Did it make you feel confident? Of course, girl. I wore it to high school and be gay all about it, girl. <laughs> um, so going off of what you said, Ariane, about uh, the the silhouette and the the sculpture aspect, I wanted to toss this question to you, Dallas, about the fact that you, uh, in looking at your designs and the way that you design for drag, how is it that you manage for each queen and each gown or each costume that you make, how is it that you get those incredible silhouettes and nail it for each person? I have to, I, I know every piece of underwear they wear, like, <laughs> each one of them, because you have to know like what, what bra straps to cover, where their pantyhose lines are. Some of them are naked queens, like that don't wear any pantyhose. Um, all that kind of, all those kind of things and just how their bodies are. Like um, Alaska, I can put a spaghetti strap on. Bob, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> so I think, so it's just, I, I don't know. The, you just have to like know them personally, I guess. Maybe not. I don't know how to that question. Like, I'll have to think on that one. How about you, Yahuwah? Uh, what was the question? Oh, the question <laughs> was about, um, you know, getting the, the shape and the, the silhouette of, uh, of a woman's body in your designs. Like Same how thing, uh, uh, following up on what she said, just knowing the performer's uh, body shape. Like, for example, I made Bob stuff. You have to cover, every, she likes to be covered in every single inch of her body. That's how she likes <laughs> yeah. it. Whereas if I make something for Aquaria, she likes to expose all parts of her body. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Oh, or if I make something for Monet Exchange, she loves flowy dresses. She doesn't like to tuck, really. She doesn't really like to wear pads. So she likes comfort. So she likes to emphasize on the lower body to be extra, extra flowy. You know what I mean? So it's just based on every different queen on what they like. And for myself, I'm short, so I like so I like flowy, tall gowns to make me look even taller in height. You know, everybody's different. Yeah, so it's about it's about paying attention to your each client. Details. Very specifically. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So um, what tricks have all of you learned over the years and in your designs about uh, constructing garments? Like what are some of uh, some tricks and tips you could kind of parlay um, to the to the audience here that you've learned over the years. Ignore your teachers when they say that a glue gun is not useful. <laughs> <laughs> Furniture polish for sewing vinyl and pleather. Mm. If you're cutting sequin fabric, wear goggles. <laughs> that stuff is gonna pop in your eye. I guess for, for you know, because now I'm fortunate enough that I don't have to sew anymore for, you know, we manufacture our clothing line. <laughs> I mean, I love Rich! <laughs> um, but now we work with really, really incredible um, seamstresses and manufacturers. 
Um, but what I learned like in business and being an entrepreneur also in having to like cowboy up <laughs> sometimes when you know making a lot with just a little bit is that there isn't one way to do anything. And so like when I remember that, it like helps me have like, because sometimes we get really constrained to these like, this is how it's done, or maybe some of us went to fashion school or we're just like self-taught and we get really held back by like, this is how you do it, then that's not true. So that really helps me just with like creative freedom. Everything she said. <laughs> that, that's really true. Like uh, sometimes I won't know how to do something and I'll call up Bianca and I'll be like, how do you do this? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not formally trained, but I'm deconstruction queen, I guess, from my flash dance years. So I'm like scissors at all times and strategically choose who my partners are. Hi, Daniel. I see a friend. Strategically choose brilliant people to support your vision and help expedite it. Some of which are here in the audience. Hello, Michael Schmidt. I know. Hello. And if you don't know who Michael Schmidt is, do your homework. Um, <laughs> Michelle Moon and Corey Dietz, who are here, who work with me as well. Give them a hand. In terms of your careers, do you have a favorite look or a favorite piece you've created that like stands out that is kind of like the icon? an iconic moment in your career or just something that you're super proud of that you designed? I do. Okay, this is easy. So, um, at the end of one of our shows, Amanda Lepore, I love her, she's iconic, of course, and she was, she, she was like, my, I, what, 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 wait, what was the question? The, do you your, have favorite, like a, your favorite moment? Yeah. She was my favorite moment every, after every show up until this one. So, Naomi Campbell was supposed to close the show, but she was running late. And so we, we, we put, we put the first time, yeah, the first time she walked in the other way. So we sent Amanda out and we're like, Amanda, do not leave the runway until you see Naomi come out. And so oh, she walked down the <laughs> runway and then backwards walked <laughs> and then walked again and walked again. And we had um, this star dress that was like cut out like Lucite. And nobody, nobody knew. We didn't say that she was going to be there because we didn't honestly know if she's going to make it or not. But when she walked out in that, it, like, it just gave me chills. And I then remember that. I remember every second of the moment where she like grabbed my hand and she had Richie on the other side and like you do your final walk. That like changed everything and made my life. I was like, yeah, I can die tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've had a lot of lucky moments. I guess the big ones for me was that. Um, first time I designed a tour for Madonna and just when we had our first show in Barcelona 2001 for I don't know 20 30, how many people 50,000 people I don't know even how many people are in those stadiums it just was like in tears but I would say um, just the experience of the audience having the experience and seeing all that hard work because you know when you're working and focused on dressing like the biggest icon of my generation and like you know, 25 singers and dancers and, you know, specialty musicians. And it's just, you, you don't have any idea perspective until you have that audience reaction. So I was just a mess. And then um, I guess other times with Madonna, because the amazing thing about working with Madonna is that your work is seen on a giant stage. I mean, I've done lots of work I'm super proud of that nobody's probably ever seen, but um, or a few people have seen or been Try in a us. magazine. That, <laughs> <laughs> but then when you get to work with someone like Madonna, the whole world gets away. And I mean, there's positive and negative. You have to 
take all the haters out and just focus on your experience, which I learned from her. But big moments with her for me were the VH1 Fashion Awards in the late 90s, and she wore this yellow dress designed by Olivier Teskins, who I had found, um, who had just launched his fashion um, collection, and I had been in Paris to see his show, and literally took the dress off the runway with me on the plane to New York for the VH1 Fashion Awards, and it was such a major moment for me. And also a photo shoot I did with a lot of photo shoots, but especially the first photo shoot Madonna and I did with Stephen Klein for W Magazine, where she's wearing this insane LaCroix dress and she's like the queen that she is. So those are like moments I'll never forget in my life. And then recently um, I had the pleasure of designing um, the Broadway musical that's opening in July called Head Over Heels, which you guys should all go see. It's the music of the Go-Go's, Peppermint, Amazing Peppermint is a first trans actor who will originate a role on Broadway, so it's going to be amazing. We just, yay. I think she's doing a panel right now in another room, but um, it'll, it's going to open on Broadway. We just had three weeks pre-Broadway opening in San Francisco, and it was phenomenal. Peppermint is insane, and that was like an incredible experience for me to um, design for a trans actress like Peppermint, who's so generous, and the role that she's playing is also like a gender-fluid character. So it was really, we were having these in really incredible conversations throughout the whole experience. And then once it hit the stage, Michael Schmidt did, um, worked with me on the costumes, who's here in the audience, and it was a real like incredible journey, and I'll never forget her, co her costume, um, especially, so go see the show on Broadway Yay. after July. Was that the Drowned World Tour in 2001? 2001 was Drowned World Tour, yeah. I remember. Nadia? They set the bar really high. We're old. I'm old. I'm old. Don't worry. You'll be here soon. I don't have Madonna, but the best, the best moment for me, design-wise, was um, my best friend, she's a... She, has a BFA in art, so we finally were able to work together. Um, she helped me like start my fashion career, so she was able to um, do like a drawing piece, and then we did sublimation, and then we, I made like an actual piece. So it was like our first collaboration. It was really cute. <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> well, my favorite, I guess, moment was um, in December 2014, actually on my birthday, because I'm like that. <laughs> um, I, d I launched my business online. I left corporate fashion and decided to go for it. And the very first dress I put out into like the world, which is also very scary when you like take that leap of faith, um, it was a design that um, had this really beautiful mirror beaded bag from my great-great-grandmother. And it was made in like the late 1800s. And it's this beautiful like pink and just really bold colors that come from my home. And I made the same design on my first dress. And when I launched, and you know, it was really scary because, you know, having a full-time job and being in corporate is very secure in some ways. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And it sold out within like a week, like the entire design when we put it online. And also the very same dress, I got to dress Janet Mock. She's my very first celebrity wow. that I got to dress. And it, to see her on, you know, TV with that dress and like, also, she was talking about Fashion Week. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. So it was really like an important, memorable moment for me. Uh, 
Like, you guys, I don't have Madonna. I don't have Naomi Campbell. Sorry. But the most proudest moment was for me was to create my own stuff and was to able to wear it on national platform on RuPaul's Drag Race for the time that I was there. So that was very, very good for me. I get asked this question all the time, and I don't know if I have an answer because I think my answer is every time I make something, I'm really excited about. Like every time I see something on stage, I think it's really exciting, and that's the only reason I keep doing it is to just keep seeing it out there. I guess. So I, yeah, I don't know if I have like a favorite. There's just always a favorite. And I especially love it when the performer wears your dress or wear uh, your outfit, and the audience go. Ah! You know what I'm talking yeah, about, right? Yeah. That makes me feel so good, although they don't know that I made it, but it makes me feel good that, you know, the performance up there on stage, sparkling, looking amazing, and the audience members are just gagging. So that makes me <laughs> keep going. Yes. Yeah, oh, like I have something tour. to add to that. I, I'm working a movie right now with Quentin Tarantino. When I t did the interview with him, he said the best thing about cost the kind of costumes that he loves are the costumes that people want to wear in Halloween and yeah. and they have to figure it out themselves so that is like a bar for me he he was able to articulate it cuz i um I have had the pleasure of like working on movies as a as a designer for like Tank Girl and The Crow and being able to be at like um, you know like Gay Pride or Halloween and see people dressed in a costume you design and the first time that I went to Asia I went to Thailand and I went um, with my friend we went to like a lady boy bar and they had a drag show and they were doing. Um, nothing really matters. A Madonna song to in the cost like the costumes were copied from the video that I had styled and worked on with John Paul Gaultier, and I was crying because I had no idea that was the first time I had that experience. Of course, now twenty years later, I've had that experience a few times, but that is iconic. That is like the most incredible experience you could ever hope for. I feel so grateful for it. Full confession, I was also that Madonna for Halloween that year. <laughs> Full, vi I did vinyl. Vinyl, kimono. Human nature. I've oh, oh nothing really matters. Yeah. Oh, okay. I switched her up a little bit. Okay, good. I made her a little sexy for me. Um, okay, so everybody, I always get asked these questions about like what happens when, you know, what's the worst thing that's ever happened before you put somebody on a red carpet? When you're, so you go through the, the, the inspiration process, you start designing, you're putting the, the look together, what happens when it's going really, really, really wrong? And you're, <laughs> we'll start with you, Dallas, down at the end there. What happens when it goes really, really wrong and you're like, you're gagging for yourself, you think that you've got it, and then in the like, the blink of an eye, you're like, this is a total disaster. What do you do? Well, you, I don't know. It just, you just have to make it happen. I think the one of the worst ones recently was the finale where Bob gave up her crown. Um, she had a couple other designers, not her, that did not come through, and last minute she needed four outfits, like the day of. I remember that. And I was that. like, oh, I that. well, I only made one. <laughs> so I was backstage making a top out of like a square of fabric that was in my suitcase. We made it work, I don't know how. I think after the fact, you're like, yeah, I don't know how that, I don't know how we just did that. But 
You just do it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a process. Well, I think um, you just have to be honest and tell them, hey, it is not working out. Um, we have to find an alternative way. Sometimes the the customer or whoever's ordering the dress doesn't understand that they think in their head it's going to work. I think we can all relate to this. They think it's going to work. The outfit's going to work. The fabric is going to work. Uh, the, the shape is going to work. But in your mind, you're thinking, you've done this before. It's not going to work. So you have to be honest and tell them up front that it's not going to work. So because in the long run, when you do finish it, you realize it's going to be a total disaster. I remember back to another Bob story. It was for uh, an award, uh, LGBT award show in uh, New York City. And we uh, and she just flew in. She didn't have time to do a fitting, so I brought my sewing machine and all the needles and threads and the fabric. And I finished making that dress while she was getting ready before she hit the stage. So it had, had I had like about thirty minutes to finish the dress before she went on. I remember that was a total disaster. Wow. Thanks. I don't have stories like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have a manufacturer, girl. Yeah, that's You're rich. right. <laughs> um, but I guess I would say my biggest freak out moment when I first got started was, again, going back to that same dress that I designed that was beadwork from my great-great-grandmother. And it is very tribally specific, um, and it tells the story of my family. And so that was in December. Fast forward to Fashion Week of 2015. Um, I had a girlfriend message me like, hey, have you seen, I'm going to say that name, KTZ Runway Show? And I said, no. She's like, you should look. So I started looking, and it was very, very obviously indigenous inspired. And even the press release was said, we're honoring the um, indigenous woman to this land, because it was their very first time coming from London to New York. And they were wanting to honor indigenous women, but they said like sexualized exotic, like primitive woman of this land. And I was like, what the hell? But then I started looking at the line and I saw the same dress, like the same silhouettes that come from my tribe. I was very obviously inspired by my own work, or I would say curl work, Upsala get work. And it just like gutted me, you know, like it felt, didn't feel like, you know, when you're an artist and someone knocks you off, it felt like a personal attack. And like someone took my family's voice, my family's name and like just took my, took my person from me. Um, and so that was really hard to navigate because I was like very, just left corporate, just beginning, was bootstrapping my business, like had barely scrapping by to like make my business work. And I didn't know what to do. And so what I did though, is after I like cried and did whatever, and I was like, I can't do anything about this because I have no money to get an attorney, whatever. Um, I advocated for myself and used like the people that believe in me. Um, I took it to social media and my people showed up. The people, my relatives were like, this is not okay. Like this happens so much over and over and over. Not just in fashion, it happens like for our land bases, it happens for our water, because trying to take our resources. And for me, it's like, I just wanna be able to have the opportunity and equity just like everyone else to share my own stories. And so I advocated for myself and I stood up. And even though it was so, so scary, and I also felt like Maybe I shouldn't have done that because it's my family story. So I felt like I um, exposed my family and I should have just like kept it, you know, where I should. But then I was like, no, I should have the opportunity to do this. So um, that's what I, that was my, the scariest thing that ever happened to me, but I got through it. And it actually was a blessing in disguise because we were able to flip the narrative. I, I can sort of spin off what she said. Was that like, um, you kind of sort of have to listen to your 
like make it work in your own way and like have like an intuition with it. Um, I'm still in the base of learning that um, you just can't always take everybody's advice, especially when it comes to fashion. You mm. kind of have to go with your gut feeling and you know, sometimes people, what's that one saying where you don't, people don't know what they want yet. You know, you have to show them what they want. Right. And that's sort of what I'm learning now um, and, and listening to your gut feeling. Because some people might not always know what they like and they want something else and then you know, it's opposite. And you've had really good success with that because I read about you too. I think there was like a, uh, in an interview you were talking about like a pair of, about the design process and about like this pair of lace up denim or a yeah. pair of pants with like laces in the front that the designers were, the company was kind of like, and eh, we're not so sure. And then you did them and they were like, the number one selling and then yeah. they started showing up everywhere like in the industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but um, I, I remember saying like, these should be changed, we should be doing this and, you know, glad they listened. Yeah. But I'm happy I still have them like in the closet. I don't want to get rid of them because, um, but yeah, you just have to listen to your gut feeling. But that was with other companies that had like a ton of money to back up all of that. And I'm now investing in myself and doing it with my own money. So I don't like making those mistakes, um, especially when it's something custom for a celebrity. But um, it's a learning process. So I'm still trying to listen to my gut feeling and, and go off that. I think it's important. It's working. Yeah. It's working. Um, Your turn. Disasters. Uh, usually, lucky for me, I've had amazing performers who've been able to make those disasters into shiny moments. I think the funniest thing that ever happened to me was my first rock and roll tour that I ever did, and the first concert was Lenny Kravitz opening for Tom Petty in the late 80s, and we were in Tampa, Florida, and um, we didn't have any money, so everything was thrift store shops, and it was like the 70s kind of vibe that we were doing. And Le I was at the sound booth and Lenny turned around and was doing a guitar solo. I think he's like kind of been known for this over the years, but his pants just split. And I was like, what is that hanging between his legs? Like what's happening? And his back was to the audience and I was mortified. And of course I felt really responsible for it, but um, it wasn't my fault. It was just like, it's, you learn a lot. I learned a lot of- He wasn't wearing underwear? Uh, no, he wasn't. He was commander. We're all very thankful for that good. moment by the way. <laughs> I'll speak for everyone here, if not look it up. <laughs> right? But um, you know, it's a, uh, I, I think he's gone on to do it again from what I hear, but um, you know, it's the adrenaline in the moment and those are always learning moments and, and you can look back and laugh at him. So I don't know. I mean, disasters always turn into diamonds to, for me. I always look forward to mistakes. And I think something that, that you said that's really important, um, your gut is your intuition and your creative intuition is a holy spot. And you know, I have a tendency when I am in fittings or in the room because I'm a collaborator, I like to have a group of people weigh in their opinion, even though I might, I might, if my intuition is something, I'll, I'll ask the group. And even if they don't agree with me, oftentimes I'll go back to my initial opinion because I need a sounding board. So I like to be open to the, uh, the, the energy of the moment and what's happening because as a stylist and also as a costume designer, it's about balance. And as we dress ourselves, everyone, when you dress yourself and you look in the mirror, it's always that balance. No, that shoe doesn't, I need a hat to balance out that shoe or that, you know, skirt's too wide or that, you know, so 
It's all, it's kind of like we are our own sculptures. So I always look at everything as a balance. And I think tuning in, being aware of that intuition is your gut and super, super important. And that is your creativity. So um, I always, you know, I just try and try and focus on that. I don't know if I even answered the question, but yeah. you did yeah. very well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to kind of I was going to kind of say the same thing. It's it's almost like almost if you if you are really working with the best of the best and there's always drama and there's always something that goes wrong. But if you're working with creative people and you keep an open mind, pushing the envelope to fix those problems is what actually gives it the magic, I think. And so I was trying to think of like a really bad episode, but I, I don't, I just think of all things that started out bad, but then ended up amazing. Yeah, so, like oftentimes you think of design, you're headed for death, but like this yeah. is never gonna work. This is, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money with, you know, whatever. And then it always ends up being way better than you. Making it work is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Make it work and fake it till you make it. Um, so we have to start wrapping up here, but I wanted to ask all of you, um, for any advice you would have to young designers, old designers, queens, anyone who's thinking of starting um, to design their own uh, line, what words of wisdom you would give to them? Bless them with your words. Just do it. I mean, don't be scared of what people might think, and don't be scared that people might not like it, or if you fail. Even if you do fail, you can look back and say, hey, I did it with no regret, you know, and that's how I think I view life as well. And don't be scared if people are going to like it or not because there are going to be people that like your designs and people that don't like your designs. If they like it, great. If they don't like it, ignore them because life goes on, honestly. It does. I got some good advice. I used to study under Anthony Vaccarello, who is now the creative director for YSL, and he used to work for Versace and Fendi. Um, and when I worked with him, he told me to make the weirdest things I could possibly make early on, because later on in life, you not make, you might not be able to do what you want. Oh, that's that great advice. Sense? Yeah, that's really good advice. I think everything has to start with yourself, too. Like, you can look to everybody for inspiration. But when you start designing, like, you think about yourself and what you feel works for you and what makes you happy, and then grow from there. I would say, um, yeah, it starts with yourself for sure. And when I started, people told me I had to either work in fashion or film, or let alone um, theater. Like you had to focus on one thing. And I just kept pushing and um, not listening to the noise. I actually moved to LA from New York because I felt that in New York, I couldn't hear my own voice creatively. I had to come to LA, which at the time was kind of no man land, and to figure out who I was creatively. So I think flexibility is super important and creative intuition. Just like um, focus on what you feel is really true to yourself and work your fucking ass off. <laughs> Uh, when I talk to, um, especially youth, um, I always say this, someone told me this uh, a long time ago, actually not that long ago, but before I launched my business, there was something that was like kind of holding me back from doing it. I was afraid, I was like, I don't have business, I don't know anything about business, I'm a creative, I don't know what to do. Um, 
And I kept saying this thing, like I, someone would be like, so where are you from? Tell me about yourself. And I'm like, oh, I'm from Montana and I'm just a res kid. And this man said to me, he's like, don't you ever say that again. And I was like, what? Because when I say I'm just a res kid, I mean like I'm from the res, like it's such a different you know, perspective and it's also my home, but it's kind of like I was belittling myself. And he said, don't you ever say that again. He's like, because when you say that, you're being racist to your community and yourself. It doesn't matter where you come from. You deserve to be here just like anybody else. And when he said that to me, I was kind of like, who are you? Like, you don't know me. And then I took that home and I was like, yeah, I say that to myself a lot. I say, I'm just this. And it, it keeps me from moving forward. So I quit saying that to myself and I said, I'm the res kid, you know, or I'm the. And um, so I always say that to people, like no matter what industry you're in or whatever, like you're looking forward to do, like don't hold yourself back just because you don't see yourself there or because no one has your perspective. Like now that's a blessing because I have this perspective that is so unique to me and I get to share it with people. So everyone has a story and something to say. Um, I agreed with like every single story here because um, I have a piece of me has been like basically all of them, all their stories. Um, a lot of the times people only see it as one way. Like when I first started out blogging, they only wanted me to be a blogger. And then I started modeling, they only wanted me to be a model. And then I started designing and you know, a lot of people would say you're not, you could do something sort of like your story. and. Um, seeing your vision to the end and, and having foresight um, and believing in yourself because there's going to be a lot of people along the way that tell you um, you're not capable of doing something or it's not your specific label and a lot of the times people just try to box you into one thing because they're intimidated by what you're able to do and and afraid it's possibly competition but you have to understand that um, this industry is so big there's a lane for everybody and that's when it comes down to your own uniqueness and then finding out you know, your own lane and comparing yourself to other people isn't gonna, it's just gonna hinder you from what you're capable of doing. You know, so seeing your end vision I think is important and staying true and authentic to yourself. Amen. Yeah. I feel inspired, oh my God. Um, well, thank you everybody for coming out to hear um, this discussion. We all really appreciate it. Um, check out all of these amazing people on Instagram as well. Um, and you know, you can follow all of us and what's going on. And we really appreciate you being here. And I wanna thank everybody. Thank you so much for your insight and your honesty and for being here today. And uh, I'm just, I'm really happy to be a part of this. So thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks, DragCon. Have a good day, guys. Let's give another round of applause for our panelists. <laughs>